from profound revelations to the comforting appearances of guides and loved ones past, the veil is thin and the guides have moved in close. But more importantly, cinnamon brooms, are we for or against? (laughs) Oh, cinnamon brooms. I can tell you where I stand. Where do you stand? Cinnamon brooms. You got yourself a cinnamon broom. Was it at Trader Joe's? Hell no, those are the wrong kind. Oh. They don't carry the right ones. You can't, that's the thing about cinnamon brooms, you gotta get the right ones. The Trader Joe's ones smell sort of, they smell very warm and dusty, and they don't last very long. And as the fragrance drains from the broom, which is really quickly, um, it doesn't, it only leaves the kind of sharp spice of the cinnamon. It doesn't leave the sweetness. So I always get, what is this? This is a, you have it. Okay, it is, <laughs> this is not going to be helpful. Um, oh, the Buffalo Broom Company, Batavia, New York. That's, mm. that's who I that's, get. The, the, that's the proper cinnamon broom to That is the proper own. cinnamon broom, yes. If you are going to annoy your husband or partner with a um, pungently smelling cinnamon broom, then that is the one to get. See, and I was just going to say, I, I really don't get to have that in my house because my husband is allergic to cinnamon scented things, especially if it's using like a fake oil. He's highly you know, I really think that. I really and think he needs greatly. I really think he needs to um soldier on. And I think that the more he's exposed to it, uh much like radiation, you just get used to it. <laughs> And um, that's a sacrifice he should make for his loved one. That's See, just I, I I try this every time I parade him through like a Michaels or a grocery store during fall season, and I get the the or Target. I I get the exact same reaction. The only thing that he doesn't have a huge reaction to is the one that they actually have at Trader Joe's, which is I believe more of like an apple cider scent Ew. than a cinnamon. It's got like an apple and orangey kind of mullein spice. Hmm. You know, bruh, I'm not asking you to embrace a Yankee candle. (laughs) I have a cinnamon broom once a year and it makes my house smell glorious. And I just think that if you loved me, you would let me have this. See, I get the, I I can't even make the face that happens when we walk into a, he'll, he'll literally hold his breath. It's much like going down the detergent aisle at the grocery store. He'll okay. Breath. breath work. Breath work is good for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's going to happen. <sighs> Whatever. Well, anyway, I mean, at least he's gotten used to most of your candles, which I can't even claim. So, Well, because most of them are man candles. They they smell like... They're mandals? Tobacco. Yeah, they smell like, uh, you know, tobacco... Uh, burning leaves. Yeah, I'm not uh, down with the leather. Smoke. They're all black and they're all mandals and they smell like man. And uh, (laughs) I don't want anything to do with it. I do like a lot of them, but you know, like during fall season, I need to have, I need an apple cidery smell. I need a good apple. I need no maple. No maple. No maple. No, no, when you're making no, a fall. No maple. No. No, no maple. Because mm-hmm. it's fake maple. And fake it's maple fable. smells smells nothing like real maple. And yeah. it's gross. No fake candles. Me, I have family that's Canadian, so I know real maple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went to Home Goods. 
after a, a, a long time break, a, a good departure from the home goods, you inspired me with your stupid stinking candle. <laughs> and I went to home goods. I even posted about it on stupid Facebook. And all they had was basic bitch pumpkin spice and mandals. That's all they had. And I was, there was no inspiring farm scent. It's starting to grow now. It's starting to grow now. Although I have to say. Now I'm spent. Now I have no more bandwidth for home goods and their dump bins. The, so far, the most impressive, yummy, apple cidery smelling candle that I have smelled yet this year was actually at a Barnes and Noble. It was fantastic. It was even the right size. It was very well saturated. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're telling me that Barnes and Noble still exists? It does. It does. You just, I mean, it's fewer and far between, but they're there. (laughs) Um, And so they had a really good one and I was all about it until I turned it over to reveal the price. Oh. And then I had a little bit of a moment. (laughs) she bites back ladies and gentlemen she bites back and i was like look we can only have one you know really expensive scenty thing in the house at one time and i still have those incense cones that cost 28 bucks (laughs) so this candle was about two and a half inches tall by about two and a half inches wide it was perfect size very well saturated like i said lovely scent however it was 26 dollars I was I was not about to spend twenty six dollars. Was it saturated it's, by the magic blood of virgins? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think I think they Ritual really wanted, in a jar. All you have to do I is think, light it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they really wanted an entire apple orchard into this jar somehow. And you know, I mean good on them but i ain't paying you 26 dollars for it so right there's that um so either i'm going to have to figure out how to do that on my own or i'm going to have to scrounge through all my drawers and that i still have i love it when you start secret candle i love it when you start figuring out how to do things on your own because i always get stuff Mm -hmm. i vote that Mm -hmm. i vote i vote (laughs) that's the option Right. I voted so, it's fall, so that means it's time for Jamie to right? make stuff and give it to Heather. I think that is Absolutely. the relationship. That is the standard that has been set throughout it pretty the years. Much is. And I'm ready to receive. I've been doing well, my shadow work, and I am in a place where I am ready to receive. Yeah, well, we'll see how I feel after after surgery, which is tomorrow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 30-second so, pause for hyperventilating. Right. I, um, it's, we'll just say, let's see, the last time we recorded, I was about four days into my pre-op diet. And of course, now I am nearly two weeks in. It is no joke. I can't say that it's been the worst thing in the world, but it is definitely no joke and not to be taken lightly. So for anyone who is about to go through it, has gone, if you have gone through it, you know, my, you, you got my, my empathy and my sympathy, folk. And um, admiration, I'm sure. And my admiration, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's really, it's, it's not easy. And it does depend on what pre-op diet you were given. The one that I was given specifically was all liquid. Um, so, which just means that I am basically sustained off of incredibly dense nutritional shakes. 
which aren't altogether bad, but they're all very sweet. And I have noticed also that my taste buds have changed dramatically in these last two weeks. Um, I have, and my, my sense of smell, my olfactory senses have heightened to new heights. I smell everything. Everything is very intense. It really threw me for a loop about four days in where my husband was cooking onions for himself and I had the most adverse reaction to him cooking onions. It was not pretty and I'm not going to go into details, but it just, let's just say it was not pretty. Um, I did not have a good reaction to that, but now like even my little shakes, which are like, you know, chocolate and caramel and vanilla and, you know, very basic flavors. Um, and they're not incredibly intense usually, but now it's like, oh, God, I don't think I can stand anything that sweet like ever again. So if they're trying to teach you to not ever want sugar, <laughs> bravo. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um, but yeah, sustaining off of that and um, especially in the last like four or five days, I've really upped my game on my uh, electrolyte drinks, my zero sugar electrolyte drinks, because I realized about five days ago that I was very low on potassium. And my body let me know this because I was having horrible, 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 horrible cramping, especially in my legs. And when I took to the other bariatric forums, it was like, oh yeah, that horrible like hip to toe leg cramping that's that's a low potassium thing drinking more Yikers. of your electrolyte drinks which i've done and thank you to all those people on those forums who answered other people who had the same question i had i appreciate it because uh yeah that was not going to be fun to go into surgery feeling like that so but um you know aside from all of that this shadow season stuff man been it's awesome um, so far. it's been awesome it's been really interesting i wish i I wish I had more, um, I wish I could hold on to more of the things that I'm getting for like a longer period of time. Right now I have so much brain fog and fuzz because I'm just not like my caloric intake is incredibly low. So I, I don't have a whole lot of fuel and I presume that if any of it is really super important, either you'll trigger me or something else will trigger me and it'll come back around. But it's uh it's been great but it's been hard to hold on to for me so but so, maybe that's part of the transition i don't know maybe that's part of the the transformation and the shift for me is getting that information and letting it go and not having to store it right or know. trusting that it'll be stored in a more efficient way because not everything needs to be mulled over consciously in that's order true. to affect how it needs to affect or what it needs to affect so but how, yeah. how are, what has your experience been in terms of receiving information or experiencing the guides or experience, like you said, you experienced your grandmother. How'd she come through? <laughs> My grandmother came through in a really funny way. And it took, uh, it took a couple of times of me saying a particular word in order for me to realize, oh, granny's visiting. I kept saying, <laughs> I kept saying the word wash. <laughs> Brian was doing laundry and asking about laundry things. I'm like, well, we'll put it in the wash. And he's like, wash? What are you, your mom all of a sudden? Where is this coming from? And I'm like, and I had to sit there for a second. I'm like, did that just actually come out of my mouth? I'm like, oh, oh, grandma. Oh, grandma's <laughs> with me. And I had put it out there. Anytime I'm going through anything big, I always kind of 
put out there. Um, and this would be my, my maternal grandmother, especially because she's the one that I grew up around that I knew the most. Um, that's, yeah, I, I, I put it out there because she was always a huge comfort. She was, she had a really great way about her of just like making things calm and, and Evie Stevie's and feel balanced and, um, knew how to appropriately distract me in moments of panic, even though she couldn't do that for herself. That's probably why she knew how she knew how important it was. She didn't have anyone to do it for her. So she asked herself if I could do, or if someone else was doing this for me, what would I want? And then she did Mm -hmm. that for you. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really hard to use your superpowers on yourself. Yeah. Totally hard to use your superpowers on yourself, but Mm -hmm. it's been nice. And I have felt, I have felt like all of my grandparents actually around me, especially in the last few days. And I have been putting it out there and kind of calling it in. But I think a lot of that coincides with the fact that I am feeling that that doorway is wide open, that, you know, the the veils have definitely lifted. And the message that I'm getting kind of in tandem with that is that this this is working towards a more permanent opening, an opening that, you know, once you have crossed over into a particular dimensional space once you have opened yourself up to that and i know for or people aligned who with. are aligned with i know for people who are new to this that this is just going to sound like extreme a bunch crazy of hocus talk. Pocus. and and you're not going to understand and that's and that's okay it's okay if you have lots of questions about it if you're still in a state of disbelief you're not doing anything wrong by not just immediately accepting everybody has to go through their own journey and has to walk down their own road to get wherever you need to be to open yourself up. It's things, there are things that you will acquire on that particular trek on that particular journey that are necessary for holding this type of space within yourself to be open to it. It's like collecting pieces of the Triforce. Absolutely. It's like, it's yeah, like every it. video game you've ever seen as far yeah. as like it's the hero's the journey. It is the hero's journey. Um, you know, and we talk about it all the time, but it, it's constantly evolving and we're just, we're in a space right now um, where I think there are more of us at that level where we are ready to accept certain things certain knowledge and and release certain things about ourselves and the life that we had grown up knowing that we had been carved out to move within we are starting to move past that we are openly moving past that we're not moving past it with with malice and and hatred we're moving pass it with a type of compassion and love and an understanding and an appreciation for what we've been through before knowing that it's necessary in order to get here yeah what the visual they're showing me as you talk um is we were formed as cogs in a wheel and the wheel was our life experience and as you start to awaken you will find yourself feeling very panicked and anxious and threatened because the awakening process calls for you to 
no longer be a cog in that wheel. And your Mm -hmm. ego is like, if I'm not a cog in that wheel, what the fuck am I? Mm -hmm. Because that feels like death. And so every time you are called forth to release a part of your identity with that wheel, your ego capitulates and goes Mm -hmm. into panic and you spiral and you can't sleep and your brain just starts talking about all the things and what you're not seeing and how you can prevent this and how you can prevent that. And that's what the awakening journey is. And there've been a lot of messages coming through about the awakening journey and a lot of messages coming through about, um, it's almost like for me, it's having a constant and it's always like this. So I don't know why it feels so different. Why does it feel so different? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It's different because I don't know that I'm actually asking. the. When you first start out your awakening journey and you realize that there are guides to talk to, there's a very long period that is a lesson in asking questions. And a lot of people find this period very difficult. I've never had a problem asking questions, but even I found it difficult. It just felt so, um, what's the word? Laborious. Yes. And tedious. It felt so tedious. Like why just, can't you just tell me what I need to know? Like, why must I ask questions? Nonetheless, I must ask questions. Now the conversation is still happening constantly. Um, and they're showing me that sometimes, yes, I have asked the question, but the asking is now so innate that it's just an awakening to that innate form of curiosity, which is exactly why they have you go through the asking period to begin with. Because as a cog in the wheel, your job is not to be curious. Your job is to fit in. Say so you are constantly focused on everything that you need to do to maintain your correct shape and placement. So that that mm-hmm. mechanism can keep turning. When they, this is news to me, when they start you on your journey or you start yourself on your journey and you realize, oh, I have to ask for help. Oh, I have to ask what this means. Oh, I have to. And sometimes, like for me, it came in the form of play. The guides gave me opportunities to play uh, uh, with them, like a game. I, I, from anything you can think of, from driving on the freeway. And asking certain cars to move out of my way and challenging the guides to help me get there faster or to get there more smoothly. I mean, I would play all sorts of games. I played games where I was like, just white cars, let the white car be the guide. And so I'd just get behind every white car and that would get me to Jamie's house faster. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I made all sorts of games and all of it was in the name of awakening your innate sense of curiosity because your innate sense of curiosity is going to be that portal into the real reason you came here, which was to explore. We get here and we forget we came to explore and we become not only a cog in the wheel, but just a servant to the machine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the machine is really, the machine is really just a creation of the ego or with the ego to generational to ego. Yeah. Generational ego. And, and really just essentially in the beginning to, you know, I want to say keep you safe, but it, that's not even really correct. It's, <laughs> it's just to, to help you manage a, a human life, like to step into it, to figure out how you're supposed to go about it because there's no, 
that's all you have is your surrounding, your your culture, your society, your community, your parents, your grandparents. These are, you know, and and ego helps you to latch on to those things that you are seeing and experiencing and kind of hold them as data in your brain to create those maps that you use to navigate your life. It what the issue becomes later on is as you start to go through this process and we go through this process many times, you know, think about it. You go through this process when you're leaving elementary school and going into a higher grade or when you finish high school and you're going into college or you're thrown out in the real world and you're no longer living with your parents. All of those big milestones lead you to that kind of opening of whatever is, is coming next. But, for the most part, in those beginning stages of that, it's the ego that's setting all the rules for you. That's that's setting that has carved out that map, and it's like, well, this is the map. There's only one map. And later on, as you start to open, you realize, oh, there are many, 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 many maps. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the only one. In fact, this might not even be the best map for me right now. Um, and I have to undo all of those things that, that I have kind of, you know, carved into stone thus far in order to get to a place where I can even see that there's something else outside of my little box that I've been dropped into. And this is a scalable design. It sounds sure. stupid to say when you when you give it a little bit of thought because anyone who has spent any amount of time in the spiritual community knows that this is a fractal holographic universe, which means it's a scalable design. That's that's all that means is it scales up, it scales down. So if you whatever you're applying to <clears throat> your awakening process, you can also apply it to everything else in the world that you know. So, yeah, it's it, but it's been interesting. It's interesting transitioning out of the um, out of having to think about it so much and into yeah. it becoming your natural state, mm -hmm. because, of course, becoming anything, becoming a natural state, you don't realize it has. You realize yeah. when it's tough to break a habit. You don't realize once you've broken it. Because you've created a new habit and now you're in that new habit or new map. Unless things come up to challenge you and to challenge your old ways of functioning. And you go, wait a second, I don't have to do that like that anymore. Actually, I have options. And so I'm going to use one of my other options to deal with that thing. <laughs> right, right. Which you have to have. Or you wouldn't be tempted to continue that process and continue that journey you just go right back into well this was easier that's the fork i know so i'm just going to fall right back into that old rut because that's where i was comfortable but comfort really doesn't get you anywhere no I mean, it's nice and it's and it's good to have but it's better to have have it in spurts that to have it you know because you you just you just kind of nestle into a spot and you wither away at that point you're not really living you're just sustaining yeah and, and is that and, really what we came here for I don't well think so. and whenever you get into this i completely agree but i can still feel that old part of me almost like 
reaching through a mm-hmm. portal and touching a different timeline of where I'm in or I'm at. And I can still feel her going, rolling her eyes, making a face like, yeah, do we discomfort me? You know, because everything felt so uncomfortable for so long and so life threatening and so panic inducing and so deeply anxious that the thought of living a life choosing discomfort sounded not only absurd, but offensive. However, once you choose that life of discomfort, once you realize that discomfort has been so loud because you're not choosing it, and that when you finally choose it, it gets softer and it gets more gentle and it becomes a guide. Once you make that transition, then you you realize that only then can you realize what peace and safety feel like also gets a lot more temporary when you the start discomfort. to the discomfort gets a lot more temporary you realize this is just in this moment because all i have is this moment so yes i'm uncomfortable in this moment i'm i'm not in a fantastic place but this is not going to last forever there's going to come a time in the future and the the less i'm holding on to the idea of the discomfort the sooner that next moment will come yeah we we end up anchoring ourselves into a particular energy that we don't want because we don't want it <laughs> you know it's like because that's the only thing that we can't see past it so we end up anchoring ourselves in it. And the universe is like, well, if that's where you want to be. I guess that's where you want to be. I'll be more than happy to set you up in that space. Are you sure? You know, well, actually, and that's just it. The universe isn't going to ask you, are you sure? The universe is just simply go, well, that must be what they want. So here you go. When you can find those little things and go, okay, so in this moment, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to do something to shift that for myself. What do I know about myself that will immediately take me out of an uncomfortable spot? Sometimes it's reading a good book. Sometimes it's going for a walk in a place that you love. Sometimes it's watching a movie from your childhood that you adore. Sometimes that's my my go-to inner child. (laughs) It's, you know, sometimes it's calling up a friend and having a really great conversation Whatever that thing is that you choose to use to take yourself out of that uncomfortable moment, or at least lessen it for yourself, then the universe goes, oh, I see what they're doing here. They're, they're shifting their frequency. They're shifting their alignment. So now I can give them something that feels like that. So, and then that continues. It's, it's this interesting game of of back and forth it's it's like a very slow game of tennis <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the slowest game of tennis ever um and you get to a point where you don't even realize that you're playing anymore because you've just you've gotten in the space of okay well if i don't like the way this feels then what can I do to shift it in this moment? Because that's all I got. Right. The, the less, the less you focus on the, the before the deep before or the deep after it's like, yes, we need those spaces. We need, we need to dive into the past to help understand 
what is going on? You know, why is this coming up for me? What have I held on to? Where did this map start? Did this map start with me? Did this map start with my parents? Did this map start with, you know, four generations ago? Who started this map that I'm following? Who is the cartographer here? Uh, once you can kind of figure that out, then it's a little bit easier to go, okay, well, I can set that aside and I can forge my own path. Um, but it's important to remember that the present is the most important place. This is where we're doing the work. This is really where we're doing the work. Um, we dive into the past and we can look towards the future, but in the present is where the stuff is actually happening. We're pulling from, from either space to do that work. Well, and when it comes to, <clears throat> when it comes to old maps, if you are using old maps to navigate a current environment, it will yield the same result it yielded before. So there's really no way to really step into expansion <clears throat> as long as you are looking for similarities in all current situations that match all former situations. I mean, how did it work out for you? <laughs> you didn't die, but was it fun? So you might want to think about taking a look at what's different about what's happening now and follow the different. Because if you are looking at what is the same, then you are going to immediately default to whatever actions you took before, because you will be drawn to the comfort level of it. And that is part of choosing discomfort. Sure. But what you can do is you can take a look back and see where the patterns are. Mm -hmm. Because that way, when things come up for you, you're going, oh, I, I see what the, this triggers that. And that's where I'm at right now. So that's what I need to pay attention to. I need to pay attention to this situation that is a pattern that I have, you know, a, a thing that says, well, you know, for instance, if I, if I look at my, my own life and the things that I've been dealing with most recently, it, a lot of it has to do with childhood trauma and the stories that I had created about my own safety and being safe. And so every time I had something that, you know, I really wanted to do, or I wanted to put myself out there, I would immediately have this recoil and this regret of putting myself out there. And what I learned was that is a pattern that has happened over and over and over again, because I have a fear of being seen as much as I want to be seen, because that's natural for all humans to be seen. I had a fear about being seen because that created a safety issue for that inner child, for that child who was trying to escape the outside world, who did not want to be found, who wanted to remain hidden. And I literally created the body in which to do that hiding inside. And so this journey that I'm on now is has been the, you know, the slowly chipping away at that big wall that was created. And I am very appreciative. Don't get me wrong. I am very appreciative of the journey. I am very appreciative of the me that said yes to this particular journey that took on um, this particular physical body and lived within it, even though it created a lot of challenge and struggle, a lot of challenge and struggle. Um, and don't get me wrong. Not all of it has been bad. I've, I've also, gained, you know, huge amounts of, of empathy 
and compassion for huge groups of people who also have similar issues that I have. So I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't change this journey at all. Um, I feel like now is the time for me to shift. I'm on to a new portion of my mission here. And that requires a, a big physical shift. And when you make a big physical shift like that, you have to take big steps in order to do it. Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm-hmm. I didn't get this way overnight. But, you know, I'm I'm nearing 50. So there are lots of things that need to happen now that will help me make a stronger commitment to the person that wants to be that person that is looking to be birthed, that person that is wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard and wanting to put themselves out there that no longer is holding that story of, um, you know, my safety is in jeopardy if I put myself out there. And, and I really want to invite those children along for that ride. I want to be able to take that child that experienced that trauma and go, look, we made it through. We made it through. You did great. I have learned a lot. I'm here to protect you. You're always going to be protected and you don't have to worry about that anymore. And look how much fun we're going to have. Look how many things we can do. You love to explore too. That's also a part of you. Don't, can't you wait? You know, can't you not wait to go out and explore all of these new things and, and be in a different space? moving forward that's that's very that's a very exciting um that's just a very exciting thing to me to think about so you know it's like using what has happened previously can be a great springboard for what's going to happen next the thing that you have to do is just remember to keep moving through it and not pick yourself up and plant yourself back there that's not going to help um But, you know, being able to identify the trauma, identify the patterns, identify where those things are still sticking, where those certain, you know, codes and um, triggers are still sitting within you. Because even up until maybe just a month ago, I still had, you know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm in a really great place. I know what I'm doing. I'm good with it. And then as the surgery got closer, that inner child started coming up with a vengeance and was really throwing all the tantrums and, but, 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 and it's like, well, wait a second. We already had this conversation. Remember the nice conversation I had about being seen and new <laughs> adventures and, and we were down for this and we had fun and remember that time and uh remember we were at yeah. disneyland and we were remember having we were fun we were having fun wanted more of that mm-hmm. not anymore and, <laughs> no no and then there was that moment of you know, you are you're you're really going to go through with this i didn't realize we were really really going to go through with this is what my <laughs> child was saying i didn't yeah. know that this was actually going to be a, like a forever thing and it's like well yeah it's going to be a forever thing and guess what you get to come with me I'm not leaving you behind. And now Good we have silence. Lord. <laughs> apparently, apparently this is to note. This is something really important that everybody needs to pay attention to. Okay. Something interesting though about that is okay. I was hanging out with my friend on Monday night 
And I think it had started the day before and I didn't realize it until I was with her on that Monday night. There is some sort of weird theme going on. And I don't know if it's like for me or I'm not quite sure yet, but there is a theme with alarms going off there. And the funny thing is, is that after I got home, there were we were out in the parking lot of Target and during our time there, like. Not only did two car alarms go off, but the second car alarm went off right after I mimicked an alarm going off in response to something she had said to me. So it was just like, boom, 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 like alarm, alarm, alarm. And I realized, oh, this is actually a thing that's happening. Like alarms are going off. There's some sort of weird connection. I have no idea what it means other than what I heard was trigger warning. <laughs> like people are going to be experiencing a lot of trigger warning. Trigger warnings. Sure. Why it was necessary to come through materialistically uh, or materially as actual alarms to me, I don't know. But the funny thing is, is that when I got home that night and after I went to bed about two in the morning, some idiot parked on the street, their alarm went off and just kept going off for like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, this is a bit much at this point. I think we can... <laughs> I think you can safely say I've received the message. And if there's more to it, then you can tell me in a way that is not keeping me awake at two in the morning. But there's something to Please that. Please and there's, thank you. Yes. yes, right? There, There's something to that. There are uh, synchronicities occurring with alarms. So the reason I bring that up is because I am curious if it's just for me because my guides are doing a bit of the whole world is an oracle deck lesson mm -hmm. right now with me. Um, but I'm also curious to see if that energy fans out into the collective. Are you finding for yourself that the synchronicities, maybe not synchronicities in so much as what you're immediately experiencing being reflected in your environment, but rather repeated signs, uh, something a little bit less cliche, I would hope, than angel numbers, although those still count, no judgment. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, a little bit of judgment. They're angel numbers. Come on. Anyway, uh, for me, it's this alarm thing. And I'm just wondering if other people are experiencing alarm things, if they have any insights on alarm things, or if it's just the way it's coming up for me and maybe later I'll find out a reason. Because I honestly don't know at this point. So I do have a question. So what was the conversation that you oh, were gosh. having as you were walking out of the Target? Oh. Do you remember? Well, we were actually just sitting in the parking lot at her car. And um, she was telling me about an instance where uh, someone triggered her. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Right. Which is why I said I think, like, it has to do, <laughs> yeah, I think it has to do with trigger warnings. But the interesting thing is, is that they aren't really applicable to me. Mm -hmm. So when it's a synchronicity, it's usually for you. You're saying angel numbers is a message to mm -hmm. you, for you. I am experiencing this alarm thing, but it's not really applicable to me But like a synchronicity would be. Sure. But just as you said that the world is kind of showing up as your oracle deck right now, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that is a, also a reflection of that sentiment, which is... Yeah. It's being, it's being reflected all around you. So you're going to see more and more people that are being triggered. And I think, again, you know, we've been talking about that kind of like death throw uh, situation or mentality of where those things that you're afraid to release or give up or, you know, even, even though, you know, it's not the best thing 
for you that, you know, maybe you're in a situation that you feel is holding you back, but it's your comfort zone and you don't want to leave it. And things are being presented around you that are triggering you to revisit that thing over and over and over again. That is that's kind of the universe's way of saying, Hey, you are ready to start exploring other things. Because if you weren't ready to explore other things and start that releasing process, it wouldn't be showing up for you. That's exactly what I told her. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly what I told her. I was like, it's coming up over and over again because you're ready to move on from it. You, Mm -hmm. You, if it's getting easier and easier, it means that you've worked through enough of it to where Every time it comes up, you'll work through a little bit more and you can move on from it. She has come back. This person that triggered you has come back in the form of a new person so Mm. that you can face those fears that you were left with after that relationship exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Which means you've done enough work in order to revisit it. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What's that face? Um... I, uh, yeah, there's a very funny thing happening sideline outside. I have my window open because it's, it's beautiful and glorious. And although my my neighbors are being incredibly loud, hopefully I get to emit some of this noise. But one of the things that I'm hearing outside my window right now, uh, are ducks quacking in the pond across from my, my little place here and uh come back to us come back to yeah us. I, I just um it's a correlation how with a person can you give us any more than that um not really you're, but you're I, like, I think it's correlating to the person that we're talking about oh oh it's one the of the ducks things. the ducks yeah. oh the ducks. it's one of the things that i think of when i think about that person because i'm pretty oh. sure i know who you're talking about so the friend i was with the ducks are a correlation to her yes so what does that mean, though? I, I think it's a, a sign that we're on to something that definitely needed to be talked about. And they were kind of reinforcing that with the sound of the ducks. Because right oh. now is usually not like duck season for for our little area. Like we get them a lot in, you know, like normal duck season. Like I was going to say, spring. is it ever not duck season? It's it's literally Southern California. <laughs> no, but we, we see them a lot. In particular, we see them a lot here, like in the late the like late spring area and we always assume that they're just on vacation to disneyland and they're taking a break <laughs> and like they needed to get away from the tourists they need to get away from the tourists and we are there we are their little hotel and uh yeah our pond and our pool are at the complex is their little hotel that's how we think <laughs> but anyway i digress that was a long that was a long way to get to not a whole lot but i just thought it was funny that they dropped in you know and by the way here's here's some ducks right 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 so. um speaking of that fear of being seen this was also something mentioned in ann tucker's latest channeling if you don't know who she is she's a trans channel she channels the angels and the reason i started listening to her was because the voice and the information that she brings through sounded like my guides. So I started listening to her at first, of course, it was to see, are you the real deal? Because I still go through that very um, human response 
<laughs> to mm-hmm. other channels, even though I channel myself and I, I believe in channels. I, I'm, I always go the first gatekeeper to that is, are you the real deal? Which is silly, but still happens, admittedly. And, um, so in her most recent channeling, I actually don't remember what the channeling was about, but I remember when she started talking about, um, that fear of being seen and talking about her own fear of being seen, which she's spoken of before. Um, and we'll, we'll put her information in insights so that you can go hunt her down if, if you want. Um, but my, my point is, is that, that when I was watching that, what came through was the fear of being seen is a core wound. It's a core wound is the wrong word. Um, because it's so ingrained at this point that it's not something that happens in this lifetime. It's something that is embedded in your DNA. That like core shadow element. It, yeah, it is a platform at this point. Mm-hmm. And it really is the one of, if not the deepest root for the shadow work we're thrown into when we finally start to wake up. Which makes sense to me if I think about it in the way that I kind of view the world and humans and our place in the world as fragments of source energy you know when when you are coming from a place as this very solid grounded holistic entity and then you're broken apart and you're kind of forced into a world that is meant for you to develop your own perspective as an individual that there has to be probably, you know, some deep seated thing inside that says, but this individuality thing, I don't know about that because I'm, I know somewhere in my core that I am a part of a bigger whole. And I think that, that being separated out from that whole to have that experience, I can see where that can trigger a like, but I don't want to be individualized i don't want to be i don't want to flesh that out because does that mean i'm not ever going to get to go back and join with the whole again am i always going to be separate i think on a soul level the thought of always being separate might be scary right which is actually brilliant that you said that because that ties into our fear of not fitting in on in this world. But the trick is, is that what we're trying to fit into is a distortion. Uh And as long as we continue to try and fit into that distortion, we ourselves are distorting. And so when you're trying to escape the matrix, as they say, when you're trying to awaken, the goal is to step into individuality, which will then bridge you into a greater unity which is the trick. That's the handshake. That is the snake eating its tail. You are Mm -hmm. constantly trying to evolve out of one level, which we call here on this planet of polarity, a distortion. You are trying to evolve out of that level and into the next level. And to think that the next level is not also a distortion would be silly because if one level is a distortion, then technically all levels are distortion because because source is fragmented on many different dimensions and in many different ways. And so all we're doing is trying to align to a new distortion, but hopefully a better one. (laughs) Well, I think, 
ultimately what's happening is that we are we're coming back to a greater sense of understanding and knowing that we are a part of source that we are a part of something greater that we are a part of a bigger whole but we're doing that having had that human experience which shows us all the variants that of of possibility and helps us create those things like compassion this this different kind of understanding and holding of all of the different variations of all the things that can happen of all the different um you know if you want to see it as a multiverse maybe instead of a multi-dimensional space if that's more helpful for you then then look at it that way and holding a kind of greater understanding and appreciation for what each of those levels even as distorted as they are brings to us that they all have a purpose for each of us at a given moment in time the hard part is not like i said before not staying in that Mm -hmm. you know knowing that you're not tethered to that that you don't have to stay in that space if you don't choose to stay in that space that it is an option for you to leave and do something else it is a is an it's an option for you to release a portion of you that has a particular idea and say, well, that served me for a specific amount of time. It helped me develop, you know, this particular view. However, I've seen this perspective over here in my growth. And now I see that although this thing that I wholly believed in, you know, a year ago has its has its place but i'm not there anymore i've i've grown past that i have you know i have a wider perspective now i have a deeper appreciation for what that is and for what this is over here and i'm bridging that gap i'm i'm kind of seeing where those things can can come together and have a meeting point and that's what i'm choosing now you have the ability to choose something new hello free will that thing that gets bandied about um you know kind of flippantly it's like it's a really big deal that's free will is the thing that keeps us from being tethered we just we think of it so much in biblical terms that we tether ourselves again it's like you know the it's kind of the trick that takes a long time to understand is that no you you get to make the choice of how this story goes and it all depends on your energy and what you're putting your energy towards you're always going to get new challenges new lessons because that's that's what catalyzes the growth there's always going to be something else that happens but you don't have to stay in that And that is a thing that you will consistently have to remind yourself of and convince yourself of over and over and over every time you go through the crap. Yeah. Every time you go through a moment of, and trust me, I'm sure at some point tomorrow, I'll be thinking, what in the hell did I do? This was a (laughs) terrible decision. 
you know, I'm I'm sure that there that there will be a moment of oh my god, what have I done? And then I will move past that moment because the pain will have subsided and I will be able to refocus on on the commitment that I made to myself of self-care and all of the reasons why I'm choosing to go through with this and all the things that will help me within the future and all the things that will allow me to do. And in the moment, again, just going back to that, making a commitment to myself to help myself and really appreciating that and just sitting with that and going, you know, it's painful at the moment. The pain is temporary. It's uncomfortable at the moment. The discomfort is temporary. I hate hospitals. I won't be here forever. And how much yeah. of our how much of our pain is amplified by our fear that the pain is permanent? Oh, oh a thousand percent. A right? thousand percent. Yeah. That's what really gets us. Because if it was just the pain, if we went into our pain with the idea that it wouldn't be lasting long, we would be like, okay, well, this is this is bearable. I'm not falling apart. My arms aren't falling off. I'm not dying. I, it just is uncomfortable. However, when you add on top of that the weight that you don't know how long it's going to last and it could be the new reality for you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, boom, straight to the moon, like everything shoots up in and is amplified. Absolutely. So, you know, but when you look back at what you've been through in terms of the pain in your life, it always 100% of the time ebbed and flowed. Uh-huh. It always relinquished, always. And on top of that, I don't know about you, but I have been through enough at this point to where I know that the more I choose to go with it, the quicker it subsides. The sure. quicker I find a solution, the um, and as soon as I as soon as I surrender, I mean we're always talking about surrender, but the truth of the matter is is that as soon as you surrender to the discomfort, the pain immediately lessens well because when you surrender to the discomfort you release that handshake with the fear yeah ultimately you're you're saying okay i i know it's going to be painful right now i know it's going to be uncomfortable right now but i also know that that's going to change Mm -hmm. that that immediately chops fear off at the kneecaps you know it immediately takes fear out of the picture Because you are trusting, that's a big one, you're trusting that there's going to be something better on the other side of that. You are, you, you're leaning into your faith at that moment, that the next moment can be different. And, you know, as quickly as pain comes, pain goes, or women wouldn't continue to have children. I mean, you know, there's that there's that glorious moment where everybody's like, oh, my God, I forgot how painful this was. And it's like, yeah, you forget every time, because if you remembered fully as a horrible, horrible thing and you didn't remember anything great that came afterwards, if you didn't love being a mom or you didn't love that period of like your child growing older and doing all the things, you would never go back to that again and do it again. Why would you do that? <laughs> you just wouldn't. It's like, you know, it's it's like a completely different thing from um, 
you know, it's, let's, let's just say it's, it's different from, from putting your hand on a hot stove. <laughs> You're probably never going to put your hand on a hot stove again. Right. That's not something that's like, nope, no, no that's, benefits, no benefits. There's whatsoever. no benefits to that. <laughs> that that's just, every time I put my hand on a hot stove, it's going to burn. It's going to feel just like that. I don't want to do that again. This is something different. You know, it's like in that way, ego is, is teaching you a lesson. Hot equals not a nice thing to your skin. So maybe let's not do that. Um, putting yourself in a situation where the pain is temporary and having fear around that. I mean, like I can tell you right now, I have, I have two big fears right now around pain that I have been managing consistently over the, over the last several days and that I will, I'm sure I will be <laughs> managing right up through till, till tomorrow. And that is, I know that there is a shot that I have to give myself for the next 10 days after my, um, my surgery. And I am mm. not happy about it at all. No, no. Even, even though I know, I know in my mind, that is a temporary thing. You put a needle in, it's going to hurt for a second. You pull it out. You're going to be okay. It is, you know, it, this is not going to kill you. In fact, the the very nature of the medication that I'll be taking is specifically to to help sustain me. <laughs> um, but I have that like oh, I hate needles, and it's like, sure, valid. It doesn't feel good, and whatever, you know. I I get it. I get it. That's valid. But it's going to sting. It's going to pinch. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't like needles. I don't like to look at them. I don't want to, I don't want to give myself a shot. That's going to be scary. But what, what about it is scary? Well, the pain. Okay. But the pain is temporary. I have to keep having this conversation with myself because there is that old part of me that forgets every time I've ever had a flu shot or you know, anytime I've, I mean, I've had a needle in your eyeball or yeah, in my eyeball or in my spine. I mean, I've had mm -hmm. a cervical spine epidural, which trust me is really uncomfortable, but I am looking forward to having one again. <laughs> as soon as I get cleared by my surgeon, because the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that's immediate. So you know, I, there's, that is consistent. And then what is the other thing that, that's, oh, the thought of the, um, the pain from, from being injected with, uh, with the gas. So basically in order to do an abdominal surgery, they have to, there's a lot of things that are stacked up on top of each other. Your liver is on top of your stomach. Um, I also have a hiatal hernia, so there will be things that they need to move out of the way. So in order to be able to get in and move your organs around to do the surgery, they have to pump you full of gas and expand your stomach so that they can work in there. Blow you uh, up like a balloon. Do they, they do it through your thumb? They do it through one of the <laughs> one of the five incisions that I'll have. So it's not like a Warner Brothers cartoon? No, unfortunately, because <laughs> um, that's because that's actually really fun and that's, that's actually enjoyable to me. So maybe that's one of the things that's with me. 
tomorrow. You're yeah, violet, violet. I dare, I'll I dare you to tell the, ask the doctor to blow on your thumb. <laughs> right. Sorry. Oh, that would be great. Um, and if that sound shows up, I'm going to leave that in. Um, <laughs> but that's one of, like, that's one of the things that people say is like most painful directly afterwards because it's, it, you're releasing the, the the bubble moves up to your chest and makes it hard for you to breathe. Oh. So they actually give you, there's a little, a little, uh, thing that you have to use, a little apparatus that you have to use afterwards to help you, like, remember how to breathe again. You basically have to retrain yourself because, wow. A, your abdominals have just been messed with. So as somebody who's been trained for most of her life as a singer and breathes from their abdominals, <laughs> that's going to be hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be painful and you're not going to want to do it because it's going to be painful to do. So you have to learn how to like, okay, well, but I have to keep doing this because I have to tell my lungs, hey, this is a thing that you need to do again. I know you've been asleep for a little bit and that something else was doing that for you. But now we need to take over again. Chop, chop. Let's do this. <laughs> that would be interesting because the first thing that came to mind was breath work. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. There's a couple of things coming through about this surgery that I'm really curious about. One is what kind of messages where are they going to take you while you're under anesthesia? Like where right. are the guides going to abscond with you? What are you going to see? What are you going to experience? How much are you going to remember? Will we have to take you into hypnosis in order to figure out what happened during that time? I will also and be heavily drugged. So I'm thinking that probably you probably will have hypnosis. To yeah. yeah. Probably hypnosis. And it'd be fun anyway. So it I would, mean, that'd be interesting. That'd be why really would interesting. We? Yeah. It's more of just and an then, excuse to do the hypnosis, but you and know. now the breath work ties into it, which mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested in seeing if you get any sort of parallels or messages as a result of that situation. Because clearly, all of these situations are just spiritual metaphors. Mm -hmm. Life is just a spiritual metaphor. That's all it is. I mean, we take everything very serious, and we really think that reality is real. And that's, that's sweet of us. But the reality actually is, is that it's all just a spiritual metaphor for just for self-discovery. So I'm just curious what these extreme circumstances are going to yield in terms of your aha moments. Right. Mm -hmm. Man, this is so interesting. This episode, I mean, like an hour has gone by already. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that an hour has gone by. Well, when you're talking about cinnamon brooms. Time flies. Right. This is because true. broom. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, there's you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see in the several days afterwards where I'm going to be with things and what else is like what else is gonna come up. I'm I'm curious more than I'm fearful about it. And that's a good thing. That's a that's a huge shift for me already. Well, and isn't that just, doesn't that just speak to the shift that, that you started talking about in the beginning of this conversation where mm -hmm. you were telling your inner children, now it's time to go have that life where you are allowed to explore. That's part of who you are. And this whole surgery has been about bringing that back online. So the fact that you mm -hmm. are curious and ready to adventure into that is mm -hmm. perfect. It just shows, it shows that you're in alignment with the agenda. Mm -hmm. That the intention has been set and you are already supporting it with your energy. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. 
Oof. But I'm really, I'm, I am anxious for this because I have been anxious for the Jamie who is ready to explore to come out. I right. completely selfish. Like, yeah, yeah, go be healthy. That's great. But now what about me? Let's explore. Let's go play. Let's go do things. Let's go mm-hmm. talk to people. Let's go invite them here. Let's go explore these things and help other people explore these things. You know, the podcast was a nice beginning to that, but I'm mm-hmm. really excited about the physicality of it. What kind of events can we pull together once your resources have been taken away from survival and mm-hmm. are now being focused into the flow of exploration? What kind of amazing things can be accomplished yeah. as a result of that? And I know that my work in my own way has been along those same lines. And I think, honestly, this is going to hold true for everyone because when you go from cog in the wheel to super great individual, you that's what the journey is about. It, it's no longer about how do I fit in, which is survival. It is about how do I explore, which is all about self-discovery. That's the first step in exploration is self-discovery. So I'm most excited about your self-discovery journey and how it's going to impact what we produce in terms of this new world that we're creating for ourselves, for each other, and for everyone else who wants to come along. And newsflash, it doesn't even matter if people want to come along. There's going to be no choice because what we're doing is just (laughs) essentially, ironically, it's a cog in the spiritual wheel. (laughs) You know, it, it's it just is. a different wheel. It, it's the wheel we're choosing. It's, it's all of these things I've said are good. It doesn't, being a cog in the wheel isn't necessarily a bad thing. We're just choosing a new wheel. We're creating a new wheel. And when you get to, you know, kind of reinforce what that looks like, you know, you get to design that wheel. You get to say how long you're going to be there. You get to say, you know, well, today I'm going to leave the wheel and I'm going to go explore those woods over there because that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Or this water that this big wheel is moving. I want to see what it feels like to be that water. So I'm going to be that water for today. When you lean into that type of freedom, that's when you get to start really exploring all of the different facets and multiple levels there are to this planet that we live on, which is pretty dang fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's. That, to me, that's kind of the big thing is breaking out of breaking out of the little teeny tiny box. Even though the teeny tiny box served a purpose and I'm grateful and appreciative of the teeny tiny box. Don't get me wrong. It got me to where I am today. I had to have that in order to make it here. I appreciate that 100%. But. I am looking forward to exploring all of the other things. And I'm looking forward to seeing that reflect back to me out in the world. I'm looking forward to seeing other people move through those experiences and not feeling like it's just me and I'm alone and I'm a weirdo and nobody else gets any of this stuff. Um, you know, that's part of being inside the box. When you're inside the box, it's hard to recognize that there are people outside of the box that are in their own boxes. What? <laughs> I was with you. I was with you. I was with you. And then whoop. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But think about it. 
if if you're in your own little covered dark space, mm-hmm. it's hard to recognize that others are also in a covered little dark space. You just imagine that outside of your little dark space, everybody else must be having just a great freedom. time. It, yeah, it's freedom. The grass it's is freedom. Greener. They you know, the everybody grass is... and you've got the dark space. And somehow I ended up in this box. Well, everybody right. is in their own box. Guess what? Everybody that's is. How yeah, it goes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, even if it looks fabulous from the outside, they have carved themselves their own little box. But we're starting to see more and more evidence of more and more people at the same time crawling out of the box because there is so much chaos. <laughs> that's how that's how it presents. It's like there's no order. There's no little boxes. It's not so neat anymore. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I'm I'm. I'm going to say I, I haven't completely jumped on the bandwagon of chaos, but I am appreciating it more and more. Yes, work. <laughs> I am because because now I can see that the chaos that is coming about isn't simply destructive for like mean destructive. It's not destructiveness for let's tear everything apart because sake. yeah, it's not it's not malevolent. It's not malevolent. Yeah, it's a hey, this thing that hasn't been working for a really long time. Let's just check it mm-hmm. and see what else mm-hmm. we can build. Because I mean, really, what else? Do, what else do we have to do here? We might as well see what else we can make of it. Yeah, and I'm okay with that because I'm a maker and a creator at heart. So you know, I I can identify with that. Um, we're seeing, and I think that was the big thing that I was waiting for. I was waiting to see the turn of compassion starting to enter in to some of the destruction that I was seeing, because at first I was seeing destruction that was, that was bubbling up specifically from hate. And that is like a big mm-mm for me, but I'm seeing more and more. Um, and I know we've talked about it several, several times with the, like the SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild strikes those things are starting to really create a wave of people banding together you're seeing people that wouldn't have normally uh seen a correlation with each other you know um i'm seeing more and more of like retail workers going hey you know what we've been through the crap too we really need to create a union things just need to be different for all people who work in the world because we're being taken over by big corporations that aren't really doing things for our best interest. It, it's no longer our, you know, grandfather and great grandfather's world. where having loyalty to a company got you to a specific place and set you up for the rest of your life. And, you know, you, you don't get a pension and a nice gold watch at your, you know, 40th anniversary of being in the company. (laughs) This is not a thing that happens. You don't get any company car. Um, You know, there's that, that kind of lifestyle that maybe some of this older generation have been hanging on to and clinging to. And that's the perspective that they have. And they think that that's still happening because maybe that's something that they benefited from. It's like, well, guess what? The rest of us aren't benefiting from that. We haven't benefited from that in a really long time. That's not, that's not the case anymore so we need to start moving towards a place where we are creating something that works best for us and we are going to take what's coming in which is a lot of new technology 
uh, and we're going to figure out how it can best serve us, but we're not going to let it take advantage of us. We're not going to let it um, dictate how we live our lives without our authority being the stamp on how that in particular functions. So that those kind of big shifts, those kind of big ideas, um, we're seeing a lot more unity, a lot more community, a lot more compassion overlapping of situations of people going, I identify with what you're going through, even though I'm not in your space, I'm not in your city, I'm not in your specific culture i'm not of your specific ethnicity or your specific religious affiliation i can see what you're going through i have empathy for that i can correlate that with my own situation and i can see how if we stand together we can create something that's actually mutual beneficial to all of us that is the type of chaos that i am signing up for and and that's, you know, there's just like with everything else, there is a dark and a light side to chaos, too. And mm-hmm. it was the reason that I've always been excited about the chaos, even when it scared me, I was excited about the chaos. And we'll maybe go into the reason why I might be a little bit more prone to chaos <laughs> in maybe the show after the show if we do one. Um, but for now, let me just say the reason I was always so excited about it is because I know that all chaos leads to new building blocks. Sure. And so it was just inevitable that eventually the powers that be or arguably the powers that were, the goal with that was not to be evil for evil's sake, but to provide the majority of us with such a relatable experience of trauma <laughs> That we would all start to coalesce beneath them and form yeah. a new foundation that would become too strong for them to overpower. That is the point. That is the point. And, and I can totally see where, you know, even if you take this, this thing, which is the, which we call hate, I think all of us have experienced some form of retaliation upon us through something that we felt or perceived of as hatred when maybe it was you know maybe it was a fear in that other person that that triggered that hatred and we don't know what that fear was we don't know what that situation was that triggered that in them that made them behave in a way that we perceived as pure hatred um, and we were starting to build a compassion around that compassion rose up out of that. And for that sake alone, yeah, I am grateful for, for those things that had to bubble up, even though they're awful and they make my heart hurt and they make me upset and they make me angry and they make me fearful sometimes. And then from that, I form my own kind of hatred towards certain people and certain groups because I don't like what they're putting out. But I also have to take a step back as a compassionate person and realize that everybody is going through something. Everybody has been triggered by something. And if we can get to that root, 
if we can get to that place where we are all in a space where we can say, let's just stop for a second and understand that we're all being triggered here. There's something in you that is being triggered by something that I am mirroring towards you. It's bringing up something for you. I'm sorry that something that I am doing is bringing up something that triggers you. As my fellow human being, I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to see you suffer. I don't want to see you in pain. Um, Having said that, I'm going to go forth and do what I want to do <laughs> for my reasons, because we're all having our individual journey on this yeah. planet. And I'm going to go have my individual journey. And it is only through the alchemy and interplay mm -hmm. of our two perceptions or as many perceptions as there are on the planet that things will continue to circulate. That is the circulatory system. Mm -hmm. That is the human, the spiritual circulatory system is the well, alchemy and interplay of those points of view. Well, and, and you have to start with yourself or, or you wouldn't be able to hold that moment where you can pause everything and say, wait a second, I'm, I'm going to look deeper into what that other individual is going through because I can recognize in myself that same kind of energy. You know, it's like you have to do the work on yourself where you can kind of slow your roll down enough and see that coming up for yourself so that you can recognize it in, in, in other people and say, ah, okay, I see the same thing happening there because I... I acted like that when this happened to me. <sighs> Fun. Right. <laughs> Self-discovery. <laughs> awesome. And clearly, messy. clearly that, that deflated sigh is the ending point. <laughs> clearly that means we have done the thing. We hope you've enjoyed us doing the thing. We have enjoyed doing the thing. Absolutely. And we will be back to do the thing whenever Jamie has recovered. <laughs> from this wonderful odyssey and adventure that she has chosen to embark on. I'm sure uh, I'll have lots to say about this. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you will too. And I look forward to hearing all about it. And we are all sending you love and light for a beautiful and easy surgery and a easy recovery. Thank as you. easy as and it can be. Thank you. And I would, like to put it out there i thank everybody for their well wishes i thank you heather for holding space for me it's been i, I can't do this without you so <laughs> thank you and i love you you're welcome i love you too all right and everybody i love you so go hunt we'll us down on social time. media we need friends we're so lovely <laughs> oh god so lonely <laughs> we're on instagram we're on tiktok we're on stupid facebook <laughs> Go talk to us. I'm all alone. We're <laughs> in all the places. Come find us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.